Arizona's news station. Arizona's news station. KTAR News. 92.3 FM. KTAR News. 92.3 FM. Independent thoughts. Independent life. This is Chad Benson. Chaos, craziness, but it is Thanksgiving week, and I think we should all be reminded of that. Joining us now in studio, thankful to have him here. He's a good guy. Take away the politics of it all. Congressman David Schweikert's here. You were talking earlier. We should have a Thanksgiving what are we grateful for? What are we grateful for? We can't like I think in this day. I think in this day and age, we're grateful for so many things, but we are so hyper focused on the bad that it's it's yeah. crazy. Well, th- th- look, there's an argument out there from some of these fancy social you know, um, folks that focus on society. When times are actually pretty good, we end up fixating on the mundane, yeah. the absurd. So think about how many folks have their entire psyche. Wrapped around the president. Too many folks. And at the same time, the job market has been amazing. Wages are going up. The number of diseases just in the last 12 months that are about to be cured. Um, you, I don't know if you saw in the news story today, even food insecurity is some of the best yeah. it's been in decades. Um, there's so many good things happening around us. Could we actually just be thankful for it? Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I was talking to Malcolm Gladwell, little name drop there, uh, for those of you guys who Yeah, he's, who na- he's name dropping. Yeah, he's Malcolm's <laughs> a good dude. But we were talking about the fact that when something happens, when there's a shooting or something like that, because it's, we've never been safer in our time in the history of forever than we are today, that it actually pops a bubble. Even though we're safe, we're less violent than we've ever been in the history mm-hmm. of our, our planet, let alone just our world. And at the same time, because that gets popped, people freak out about it. And we have so much to be thankful for. It's insane. Now, it doesn't mean you don't keep striving to be better. But there's some data out there. Some of the math says those of us here in the Phoenix area, we are dramatically safer today than we were 30 years ago. It doesn't feel that way. Um, That doesn't, you know, sell newspapers and everything else. But mathematically, your your chance of being caught in some uh, violent situation, you are dramatically safer today than 30 years ago. Maybe what we should fixate on is how did we get safer? Let's do more of it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's figure out what's working and then look at communities that didn't get as safe, figure out what they did wrong and don't do that. Yeah. it's just it's a really interesting world because you, you, you get these phone calls at our office. If you could see the emails and yeah, you were talking about the death some, threats and stuff yeah, like that. It's insane. And, and even just just within the last hour, um, I had groups at my office both demanding impeachment and those demanding you know, nothing. And the conversation was about everyone's feelings. Yeah. And I know that's uncomfortable. But when you actually sort of dug down, it was. Well, I feel uncomfortable. Well, this is disruptive. And can you take a step backward and say, okay, you do understand if you set this as the precedence, do you know what you're about to do to the society? Any future presidents, future Congresses? Is it really when you're 11 months from an election, this is what you're going to fixate on in a time where so many things are going well? Yeah, You know, I I said today, as we talked to Congressman David Stryker, Stryker, I said to him, I said, you know what, Democrats... They're not looking for something impeachable. They're looking for something that is removable. And that's what they want. They want to find a removability because I think you could that's probably actually go- a really. Can I quote? Can I steal that? From Absolutely. You? Please that? do. Go for it. No, take it. They're looking for something removable. The impeachable. You could probably go back and find enough that everybody could get picked on. Some. I mean, we all speed. We all do some. We'll chat. It's different. No, they want something removable. 
That's what they want. They want to be able to remove. They want a, a, a mulligan, if you will. And it's no longer about impeachment. It's about removable. And it's crazy because I look around and I know you guys do work and I don't think people understand that. Yesterday there was a bill signed. There wasn't a lot of hoop and holler, although it's been a lot of animal stuff going on. But there was a bill signed. Mm-hmm. It was bipartisan. Yep. It was a shutout. You guys all agreed on something. Why? Because there was no <laughs> politics involved. But tell everybody about the bill because it was about uh, you know uh, poli- uh, brutality and, and abuse of animals. Uh, uh, animals. Um, there's a very, very dark corner of hell um, on the Internet where just unthinkable cruelty to animals and then it's filmed and sold, distributed. And I mean, it's it's just hard to think that there's humans out there that want to be this cruel to a dog. Um, but there's lots of things like this. Look, the most liberal member of the Arizona delegation. Um, Who is that? Yeah, Raul Galhava. Yeah. Is it? And, and he and I, uh, he has a great sense of humor. He and I vote against each other I'd love to get him on. He will come on. But we have a half a dozen bills we're doing together because some of them are more about either natural resource issues where we can agree on a lot we don't, but also on animal welfare issues. Yet when you get along, it gets no press. One of the neatest emails I've ever received was after doing your show months ago where you and I talked about rage is actually a business model oh, of yeah, cable totally television. Is. And for, for a lot of folks who are going to race home tonight and go watch Fox or MSNBC or CNN, you do understand they're probably running an algorithm oh, yeah, totally. in the background on how many times to mention the president's name or this issue's name or show this type of picture to get you to watch another four minutes. What happens if much of the angst, the rage you feel that's driven to you through that television is actually a profit mo- model? That's it's all a business it model. Yeah. You guys are – I try to tell everybody, you're nothing but a data point, and that's it. You, you're looking. They're looking at the data we're taking in. This is the point we get to keep you past here. When we keep you past here, you become an extra dollar that I can charge later on down the line, and I don't think people understand that. And so all I'm going to do is appeal to the to, to what's going to make you emotional and stick around. We've got uh, Congressman David Schweiger here. He's going to keep through the break with us. We're going to talk about impeachment, the craziness, the wildness, and maybe, you know, hey, do you guys get along at the holidays? It is the Chad Benson Show. It's Arizona's news station. Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. We deal this. Mueller, arrest me. Chad will trade you two perjury charges for one collusion and throw in a reduced charge of obstruction. What? what? Yeah, I'd do that. For just listening to The Chad Benson Show. Yeah! Congressman David Schweiger. I'm looking at the ugly, uh, did you see the Tesla? Yeah. The, the Cybertruck? Did you see it did a tug of war with the Ford and just destroyed it? Well, uh, look, you want a, a bit of um, truth. I actually have a Ford hybrid that has just – it's a 10-year-old Ford Escape, but it's those big electric motors on those wheels. Yeah. I swear, uh, off the line, I'm incredibly fast. Now, after about a quarter mile, you're going to overtake me. But people don't, I think, appreciate the torque you get off those electric motors. Yeah. So – well, and and I'm, I'm actually waiting for the Ford F-150 electric. That, that's because I, I drive a – currently I drive a Ford F-150. Look so. at you roll there. Okay. Hey, uh, the way to become best friends to your neighbors, have a long bed pickup truck. Yeah, well, that's Because everyone anybody. has some crap they need moving. And that's the way that I <laughs> – I tell everybody, don't invite me to your wedding, don't invite me to move, and I promise to do the same for you. So it is craziness. Impeachment last week. 
you know, it was it was it, it was what it was. I saw today CNN's poll was like nobody's changed their mind. So many people made up their mind going into it. Mm-hmm. So they didn't even go into it. But, you know, as we were saying earlier, they, they don't want something impeachable. They want something removable. How can yeah. we remove him from here? It's not going to happen. And I think unless the, I still think he has a Rudy problem. And I think we can all even Andy Biggs, who's been a huge defender, said. He does have a Rudy problem. Oh, Rudy yeah. needs to go and, away. And you investigate it and, and treat it professionally and honestly. But what happens when much of what's going on in the whole impeachment inquiry and these things is less about fact-finding and more about base satiation? Oh, yeah, totally. If you're my activist, I need to do certain things to satiate you. Um, and you know, we're trying to actually have some conversations with folks Say, do you understand all the other stories that are going on around this? Yeah. And how many people, when they go in front of the microphone, will say something very different than they were saying in the back room? Because this is the theater. Yeah. Because you know what? Like, was it uh, was it Deborah Lawrence out of Michigan? Uh, was that her name? Yeah, Brenda and Lawrence. She just, Brenda. Yeah, and, and she just got her head in. She got her head in. Last... She says, why don't we censure him? And then, you know, it's on record and we can move on. And she just had to backtrack because she didn't stick with what was going on. But uh, there's got to be people, both sides. Look, I've talked to a few Congress people who are, who are very disturbed by what Trump did and, and are very upset by what he did. Because let's be real, there was a quid pro quo. But it just, quite frankly, I think the thing that helped the most is the Ukrainians are kind of useless at doing all this stuff. <laughs> so I think that helped them the absolute most. But, but come on, you're 11 months from an Election. Yeah. And it, uh, look, we all on occasion have to find a way to communicate in those things with our activists because they're the people that get us on our ballot, put yeah. up our signs, help us. But what happens when they've gone so far to a fringe that it consumes all of Congress's time? Yeah. So we have functionally, when it comes to anything mid- middle size, large, we've done nothing. We will have been there almost a year and we've done nothing. And there were a whole bunch of opportunities, you know, uh, even the White House willing to work on pharmaceutical prices or things of this nature. And I can't believe we haven't jumped on those opportunities and at least ground through them and gotten them out of the House. Instead, we do this. And it's sort of heartbreaking because you get on the airplane, you leave your little girl, you're going to go save the world. And this is the crap you get to deal with. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'm sure there are people, you know, behind the scenes. Again, I've talked to some Dems and I've talked to some Republicans and both of them, oddly enough, have taken, you know, kind of two different things like off the record. I don't like what he did. And, I, and I, if it wasn't for, you know, a lot of this stuff and, and people coming to me, I probably would vote to to take a serious look at it. And I've also had some Dems saying this is a waste of time. And 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 but the reality is, is everybody's going to play on their team and this isn't going to go anywhere. Well, good example. Um, one of the people that was just in my office, um, a smart older gentleman really wants impeachment. But his reason for wanting impeachment was, well, the president is too disruptive. OK, but just being disruptive is not a criminal act. No. It may make you feel uncomfortable. In business, by the way, Uber and Lyft, we were talking about the murder, very disruptive, yeah, and people don't like that. Look, um, Netflix to Blockbuster Video was disruptive. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is you got an election coming. If someone makes you feel uncomfortable, vote them out. But could you imagine if the Democrats were successful in impeachment? What's the new standard for our country? So the next time there's a Democrat U.S. president and a Republican Congress, are you almost obligated to just do the same thing? Have you just weaponized this process? We know the rage portion is a business model driving people to demand this. 
have you created this sort of ecosystem where this is what the future looks like politically? Because it's not about the politics. It's about the folks who communicate to the public who are making money off as much chaos as possible. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. a really ugly chicken egg profit motive business model and it tears the country apart. It does. We got about 30 seconds here. Thanksgiving, Christmas time. What's it like around there? there I oh. mean, it's everybody just kind of puts their puts their swords down and, and Yeah, and it, remember, we are shockingly kind to each other. It's the outside influence that are jerks. Yeah. And for someone like myself, um, we have a, a Thanksgiving Day tradition. Um, I'm an adopted kid. Many years ago, I met my birth mother. And so we'll do the Fountain Hills Thanksgiving Day Parade. We'll run and see my family. It's here in town. And then we get in the car and go to California and see my two birth sis- half-sisters from my birth mother. And it's just the neat experience of bringing the family together. It's awesome. Congressman Swigert, as always, love having you here. 323-538-2423. At Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. Nick Offerman, he's a comic. He's going to join us straight ahead. Chad Benson Show, Arizona's news station. Arizona's news station. KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Got that sniffling, sneezing, stuffy head thing going on? Time for your daily dose of vitamin chat. Award-winning? Yeah, to say the least. He's, man, he's done just about everything, right? Writer, woodworker, actor, comedian, now on tour, going to be in Phoenix. Celebrity Theater coming up December 13th. Uh, Nick Offerman joins us. And by the way, for all of your great stuff that you've done, to me, I look at you and I say to myself, we're, you know, meet the Millers. I just love meet the Millers, man. Oh, thank you. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, that was I think that was my filthiest role Uh I had I had ear sex with Jason Sudeikis in that movie. Yes, yes, you did. That was a good time. You know, between all the I slinging the with your wife that you do on the sling TV stuff and that, I was like, that right there is spectacular. But you're on tour. You've been out there since July. You're going to be coming here. You're going to be finishing off the next night in San Diego. And how's it been? Like, what, the 37 dates you've been on this? And, and it's funny because when you read all the stuff, it's not the traditional, quote-unquote, stand-up comedy because, you know, you're kind of a humorist more than you are uh, get up there and tell jokey joke. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't have the talent to just uh, to make people laugh with my clever wit. So I have to actually uh, work much harder. So I, I come up with things I want to talk about, things uh, in myself perhaps that I want to address, and then I, I uh, couch those in funny songs, and people seem to laugh. Uh, I do a little dancing. There's there's some uh, excellent sachet work in this show. And um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, my uh, the hit song. Apparently, people are really responding to uh, the Brett Kavanaugh song called "I Like Beer." <laughs> well, he did like beer. Apparently, apparently, he liked yeah. beer a lot. Uh, you know, you go out and see you, and again, a humorist is much different than the stand-up. But you you do a lot of different things. Like, what have you learned along the way? Because we live in a very fractured time. You know this more than anybody, Nick. And you're out there, and you're seeing all this stuff. Uh, but you want to try to reach as many people as possible. And in a lot of way, humorous comedy and stuff can do things like that. But I think sometimes a lot of the country feels like they're being left out of some or they're being made fun of yeah well i mean i I do my best to uh i mean there's some you know big ticket items uh these days in the uh in the white house that are are kind of unavoidable like it's it's pretty undeniable what's going on and it's, it's getting worse every day but i try i try to step back from that and say look we're we're all in this together we're one big group of people in a country 
where we get to pick what happens. And so let's make fun of how stupid all of us are, um, because we're in what's supposed to be a democracy, and yet everybody's shaking their fist at each other. Um, so I, I do my best to be inclusive um, and uh, and make fun of, of myself and the audience as much as uh, people who maybe get their news from a propaganda channel. <laughs> I think we know what you're talking about there. Uh, uh, talking to Nick Offerman, he's uh, uh, on tour, going to be here uh, in uh, December. So you go around, you do all of these things, and you ask, you do, you, do you ever pinch yourself and say, man, I can't believe I'm doing this? Because there's got to be that point in your life when you're doing all of these things and you say, this is what I do for a living. This is pretty awesome. I, it, it happens all the time. I mean, uh, my favorite thing about touring, I, I started in Chicago theater doing plays in Chicago, and now I get to go to all all these cities in, in, in America and also, you know, Australia and, and England and um, these beautiful old theaters where, where people, you know, for decades and sometimes centuries have gathered to receive some form of medicine. And, and here's this donkey from Illinois with his guitar and his work boots, uh, and I, I, I constantly say, I can't believe I get to do this as my job, and and that that gratitude that makes me work uh, extra hard to, uh, to to try and sneak as much broccoli into the pizza as I can. When did you know? Like, when was there? You know, I was I watched this thing with Eddie Murphy, and and he said it was like a Nutty Professor too. When he said, "That's when I knew I had made it." Like, when was that moment where you thought to yourself? Okay, I'm I, I, I'm here. I have arrived. I've made it. I don't have to worry about my next meal or these kind of things. What was that moment or that role? Well, I'm in a little different boat than uh, than Mr. Murphy because uh, I I fell in romantically with uh, an Emmy Award winning sitcom star named Megan Mullally, and so so the moment came for me uh, through my. Uh, my efficacious marriage <laughs> it, that that came a few years before um, well, before professionally when when parks and recreation kind of took off uh, people around me my agents and like my friends in the business they sort of had their ear to the tracks and and sometime in the second season of Parks and Rec they said oh something's happening your your life is about to change. Um, people are going to suddenly be interested in mustaches and bacon. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are. Who does a mustache is great. Bacon. I mean, it's just undeniably just the most amazing thing. And uh, yes, you guys do those sling. But she's she's playing a part in this, right? Is she does she help you a lot as far as the writing and the, and and stuff, or is this just all you? I I write the show, and then um, Megan has an incredible showbiz brain. And so uh, it, it would be foolish of me not to try and apply her brain to as much of what I do as possible. So she she comes in, uh, I sort of assemble the, the pile of show, and then she comes in and starts watching it, as I, especially as I workshopped it across Australia and New Zealand earlier this summer. And she then shapes it. Um, she's incredible at editing. And uh, I always, I always try and sneak in a few really bad puns that she then makes me cut. Um, I just thought of a new one the other night, and and I got to do it five or six times before she found out about it. And now she's making me cut it. Where I, I'm talking about the great things we've done as a society, and I say, you know, 
drinkable yogurt. That's amazing. We invented that. Uh, NASA. That's fantastic. Um, the popular astronaut dating site, ASA. Um, <laughs> I, hear, I understand that that is really taking off. <laughs> and, she, and she said, no, no, cut no. it. No, nope, got it. It's not going to fly. Oh, man. I just, again, I, what you do, I, I love what you do, and I've watched some of your stuff and listened to your interviews, and, and I, I I think a lot of people, again, they are they know you from a lot of different things, but understand, you know, what they're going to be coming to see is a much different side of you taking on certain things, but also, again, as a humorist, it is not just to get up there and tell joke after joke after joke. There's so many ways that you do things, especially with your observation. You Today's world's crazy, obviously. Uh, uh uh, it is crazy. What about all of this lunacy, though, that you sit there and you look at America and, and, and if you traveled across the country, and you say, you know what, for all the craziness, still amazing, America. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's it's um, and it's even it's even more than our country. Like wherever I go, what what it get, comes down to is people generally have a lot of empathy when you get up close to them. Like if you get on almost anybody's porch they will they will say oh hello do you have everything you need uh can i get you a sandwich and they're not going to ask you who you voted for and it's only when you get farther back and you start getting your information from these bad information sources that people are like oh wait a second uh i you know i don't like those people so that's what i find is like i do a bit in the show where uh i uh, sort of tongue in cheek take on the mantle of I, I pretend I'm a white supremacist, and I uh, I complain. I list off all the things that they have to complain about. Um, it's a terrible time to be a white supremacist in this country, and so everyone everyone can understand that. You know, that it's actually very funny to hear it couched that way, but the the audience tends to generally agree. Oh, right. That is when when you put it that way. We should really, <laughs> we should really try and weed that part of society out. Except, of course, for the, the a few white supremacists come to every show, and they they usually get up and leave at that point. <laughs> I'd like to see that. December 13th, Phoenix, Arizona, Celebrity Theater. Uh, I appreciate you taking time today. I know you're a very busy man, and I really do appreciate you taking time. We look forward to seeing you out there uh, December 13th, Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you so much, uh, Nick Offerman. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thank you. At Chad Benson Show, Twitter, C-H-A-D-B-E-N-S-O-N. Check it out, Celebrity Theater, December 13th. Again, he's going to hit everybody, but uh, you know where he stands, and he's a good guy. He's funny, and it is much different than what you're probably just going saying. It's a stand-up comedian. It's a lot different than that, and they're maybe throwing a little break dancing. I've heard stuff like that. 323-538-2423, at Chad Benson Show is your Twitter. It's Chad Benson Show. Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. The Chad Benson Show, where we reach across the aisle and occasionally poke someone in the eye. This is my vision. It is fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> she's fabulous. She does great work, and she's continuing to do great work, especially when it comes to this story. You've been all over at Allie Ventner's here talking about firefighters, and for all of the stuff that you've been doing and the cancer and, and the battling that you've watched these 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 men and women go through when it comes to cancer and getting what they deserve and, and what they uh, they should be getting. You followed somebody who has been there since the beginning, has been the forefront of this, and lo and behold, uh, he now has cancer. 
That's correct. So um, his name is Brian Jeffries. He's a Mesa fire captain, and he also is the president of the Professional Firefighters of Arizona. So essentially leading 6,500 Arizona firefighters. How many? So, I mean, again, there's different forms of cancer that they can, the occupational cancer, they call it, uh, that, that they can attribute, you know, to, to the work hazards. What are those ones? I mean, I couldn't tell you. What are the ranges, though? Like testicular. He's got testicular. Correct. Yeah. There is there's different lung cancers. There's melanoma, all sorts of different cancers that they've been able to prove and have these different doctors and other medical advocates come up to the state level and say, yes, we can prove that X amount of these cancers are attributed to their hazardous work. So. So I, I, I like because we've we've talked about this sort of had you on. I, I've watched all your pieces; they're amazing. What you do with them? How many of them now? There's 6,500. How many of them have have been diagnosed? And and how many? Because you've you've talked to several, a couple of which have not you know been able to to to, to beat this thing. And that's got to be tough for you. But then you know seeing these things grow, you know, and grow and continuing to grow. How many of them right now are outstanding, trying to fight this battle of trying to get making sure that things are taken care of? I think it's very hard to not find a firefighter today that's not, you know, out in the open saying, you know, this is an epidemic and this is a problem that we have. I'm not going to speak on their behalf because I'm not in their shoes or boots, as you could say. But the big thing that is very interesting to hear, especially in, from in Brian Jeffrey's case, is that he's fought in this position to essentially get to the state level, get to the Capitol to prove and get in the in the state senators and the governor at that level to say, hey, we need some kind of protection. And so essentially in 2017, he got this presumptive cancer law across the line. And now two years later, he's now one of the firefighters that has that can't has one of those cancers that now he gets to be protected by that law that he fought for. But now he's still at the state level trying to fight for more preventative measures because yeah. it's not that they just want to be taken care of when they get cancer. They don't want to get cancer. Yeah, that's that, that would probably be the best yeah. thing. Uh, talking to Ali Vetter here as we talk about uh, the firefighters and what they've gone through. Have they talked to other firefighters uh, nationwide? Are they going through a lot of the similar things? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's a big push in Boston for this. Obviously, a lot in the East Coast with everything that happened on, uh, on 9-11. But the big thing is that this isn't just a Phoenix issue. This isn't just a Mesa issue. You and Brian Jeffries is a Mesa captain. And I know that there was a lot of conversation with my initial story when we were talking about all the different cities and different agencies that some are approving for workers' compensation and some are not. And so that was kind of the eye-opening um, piece of the video when we initially dove into this project because when you saw John Stewart fighting for all these people and all these 9-11 responders saying that they responded, now we need to do the job. And unfortunately, it's hard to close your eyes and think about cancer as a line of duty death because a lot of people don't correlate it as that but unfortunately firefighters like brian beck and austin peck that have passed away their deaths are considered line of duty because it was cancer and they are a firefighter talking to uh, ali vetter here we have one more question for you as we move forward with him how is he doing is, is he doing better is the prognosis good yeah um uh, unfortunately, the cancer has spread to his lymph nodes, but he had surgery and he's in aggressive chemotherapy. And it was really hard when I was actually trying to uh, not necessarily track him down, but to interview him because when he did start chemotherapy, it was five hours a day.
day for five days. And so it knocked him on his butt and he got really sick. And it also, obviously, chemotherapy, it kills your immune system. So yeah. it was hard to meet him at a place where he was able to be. And um, he looks a lot different. I mean, you look at him, you can go to KTR.com and see photos and videos that um, I have of him. And he's a big macho fire captain. And he's lost his hair. He looks a lot skinnier. But to hear how much his own cancer diagnosis has just refueled his fire to try to fight to prevent cancer in the fire service and to protect the firefighters down the line that may contract it as well. It's it's very interesting and it's it's pretty cool to see someone that says, you know, I want to stay alive so I can just communicate to the next generation of firefighters how they need and how they can avoid this. That's a fantastic piece. Check it out, KTR.com. As always, thank you so much for coming in. Have a great Thanksgiving and eat a lot of turkey. Same to you. At Chad Benson Show, Twitter, C-H-A-D-B-E-N-S-O-N. Chad Benson Show, Arizona's news station.